You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Jesus. So, uh, Isabella was praying for Jeff's foot. We prayed for it before service. He had uh, pain, kind of like plantar fasciitis on the side of it. It's hard to even walk. And so it is better. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. <clears throat> to be honest, this would be probably kind of Difficult today after the day we had yesterday. Uh, difficult in a good way, but uh, we had did the Indy Pride Festival yesterday. We had a couple tents at Indy Pride, and and some of y'all know what we do there, and um, so we minister undercover. And wow, we had uh, I don't know how many people showed up to. They don't have numbers out. At least they didn't have numbers out this morning when I checked. Uh, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of people showed up. Uh, but a lot, <laughs> a lot of people, and so even if you, you know, if, if 30,000 show up and you get a fraction of them, that's a lot, right? So I know we didn't even get probably 1% of, of the people that were there, but we still, at least 200 people came through, and the, we had a line from the time we opened, we were allowed to open at 11 a.m., and I think somebody snuck in probably about 10 till, uh, 11, and then we had a line from 11 until 6.45, and we had to, Cheryl had to, to put a table behind the last people and turn, she said she turned away about 100 people in the time that we were trying to get that, get through that line that was left. So there may, there may have been much, many more than 200, I'm just trying not to, you know, exaggerate it, but uh, there was a lot, and a lot of amazing things happened. I'll, uh, there's a couple testimonies I, I probably can't even talk about yet. I'm still processing them. It, you know, it's, it's uh, when things get really real and the Holy Spirit starts to just divulge things that are really like just hurts and wounds and He's healing things and love is being released and abandonment issues and rejection and stuff like that get healed. Like those testimonies, I can't customarily, once I start to process them, I can't talk about them right away. Because they're so precious and they move me so much, I just stand up here and cry. <laughs> so if you can talk about them without them moving you, I don't know how. Um, I would encourage you to meditate on them a little bit more. <laughs> if you know, just because what happens when you meditate on a testimony that you actually got to be in the room for, or in any part of, or just you know, kind of announcing what Holy Spirit is doing. When you meditate on that, it will it will cause your heart to swell with more love. Uh, it's just what meditation on the goodness of God does. And so it's just, it's beautiful. But there's, here's one that I feel like I can share because I was writing some down this morning. And there's so many. I'm trying to get all the details and, you know, just to give you a general idea. So we, we, we pair up in tombs, uh, teams of two. And so you get one or two people that come and sit across from you. It just depends on how they, they come to the tent to get ministered to. And you have seconds usually between each 
when this, these people or this person gets up to another person comes and sits down for spiritual readings, dream interpretation, and physical healing. And, um, you know, they're prophetic words, but uh, just so you're clear on that. But um, it's just, you, you just have enough time to write down the name, usually, of the person that came through. So, and then you're like, Holy Spirit, help me remember what happened later on, because there's so many things. There were some, some, you guys that were there, you know, there's just so many things that happen. And so I wrote down, this were some of the first ones that came through that Sarah and I get to minister to when we were on a team. And they were two young, two young ladies. And we, you know, things were good. Holy Spirit was reading their mail. They were encountering love. And it was, it was really special. And we got to the end, and I felt like that both of them had, had lower back issues. Both of them had alignment issues. And we had them pray for one another. And so we, had, we, they watched, prayed for, and, and they didn't. We didn't call. It, we don't call it prayer. Um, we just have them. They hold. The, you know, I held their legs out, and the other one said, "Be healed." Uh, hip go into alignment, and is done. And Jesus healed it. <laughs> and then we had the other one sit down, and Isabella got a video of of her her face tells it all like she's it's um, amazing the the young lady whose leg was growing out when her her friend was 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 praying for her um it's just incredible she she could tell her face is just the shock and awe and and i'm like come on you can't beat that a picture really is or a video is worth a thousand words (laughs) and so you see it was man thanks for everybody that prayed for us we could tell you testimonies for hours and hours and hours of things that happen. And in the coming weeks, there'll be more testimonies that get shared. And, and um, we're, we're going to work on getting the rest of the testimonies from the team. And so it was, uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful day. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to keep my promise to you and talk to you today about, about giving. And um, don't don't shut me down yet in your mind. If you if you've ever who's to raise your hand if you've ever heard me talk about tithing or giving or you heard me like a teach a full full sermon on it, of just sermon whole sermon. No, so just a a portion of you. Um, so this this will be fun. So so hear me out. <laughs> I hope that it will be different than you've ever heard before. And um, I don't think I'll have any problem with with y'all because. You're givers anyway, um, but it's, it's one thing to be a giver. It's another thing to have a revelation on, on what, why we give, on what money is to a, a believer, to a son or daughter of God. It's another thing to be able to understand that it's part of my new nature and that what it does when I actually do it myself. Um, because to give and to be generous is great, but to have a revelation on why I do it and, and the thing and how it affects the spiritual is even better, right? And so even if you have a revelation on on tithing today, I asked when we were in that beautiful worship set and the presence of God still so strong. I asked, I said, "What do you want to do today?" It's just what I I always ask. I want to see what the Father is is doing and hear what He's saying. And sometimes I see clearly, sometimes I hear clearly, and sometimes. I don't, and I need to remember what he's done before, and then we go with that. But this morning, I felt like I heard, I, I want to give a deeper revelation on what it is 
to, to give, to be a giver. So um, whether that's through what I teach or Holy Spirit just to, comes and does it by himself, I believe that's what's going to happen for even those of you that have been tithing for, some of you have been tithing for a long time. Uh, some of you have been giving for a long time. Some of you have understood this for a long time. But, but just like almost every, I mean, even the cross, like the finished work of the cross, like we'll never stop getting deeper revelation on that, right? So I can continue to get deeper revelation on, on giving, on tithing. It's just, like, it's just like any other revelation. I can continue to go deeper unless I choose to level off personally. If I choose to level off, then that's, you know, that's, that's on me. But the Holy Spirit, the spirit of revelation wants to take us deeper today. Does that sound like a good thing? You guys good with that? Okay. <laughs> this will be fun. So um, the tithe, let me pray real quick. I just have something I feel like I should, I should pray. So spirit of revelation, we just invite you to come. We just remove out of our minds, we just bring captive every thought that would be a distraction away from everything that you want to do in our hearts today. We yield to everything that you want to do within us, every way that you want to transform our minds, every truth that needs to go deeper in us. I thank you for a room full of people and people that are online that are, are soft and sensitive to you already, that are are willing and ready to receive everything that you have. So I thank you for hungry hearts. I thank you for open hearts. I thank you for people that are ready to receive. I thank you for downloads today of the things that we specifically need in our lives. The download of the revelation that's going to bring transformation to not just our lives, but to our family lines. Yeah, thank you, Father. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Thank you. So the tithe, some people, I've had so many conversations over the years with people, and I was introduced to tithing actually through uh, Lindsay's, Lindsay's parents. So Lindsay's uh, mom, Sherry, and, and dad, Rich, were my spiritual parents before uh, Lindsay and I were a thing at all whatsoever because I was, because Brian, her older brother, discipled me uh, early on in all things Holy Spirit. And so they taught me, like good spiritual parents, they taught me about tithing. It's a, because it's a, basic, it's a basic principle of Christianity. It's actually one of the elementary things of the, of the gospel is to be a giver. Well, I mean, because God's pretty generous, right? He bankrupted heaven to, <laughs> to make sure that we had everything that we need because he loves us so much. He gave it all. And so... But there's so much not so great stuff that surrounds this particular area because there's been manipulation, there's been coercing, there's been fear or manipulation came through fear. Uh, there's been, you know, because, um, because pastors get scared um, because they begin to look at the overhead or the payroll or whatever like that and they, and they begin to think, um, I see how it happens, that's why I'm explaining to you, they begin to think that uh, that tithers become the source of their income. <laughs> and that's not true. <laughs> you can't be my source. <laughs> because God is, right? <laughs> and even your job isn't necessarily, your job isn't, isn't your source of income. It's just the way that God is being your source through, right? I, I never want to lose sight of the fact that he's, he's my source. He's my source. Not the people that write the paycheck, right? 
But, ble- but God's provision, often, it, it oftentimes, <laughs> almost all the time that I see, always, it comes through people. That we, we get to be a conduit of it, but it still comes from God. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so when they taught me tithing, I just started to tithe. I just started to tithe everything I got because that's what I was taught. You find $50 on the ground, you get five bucks of it because tithe means 10%. I just, I just started doing it. And, and before I knew it, things, doors started opening. Things started happening. And I, didn't, I couldn't comprehend it for years. Like I didn't understand even probably a fraction of the revelation of tithing for five or six or seven years of, of doing it. I understood that it worked because the principle will work for anybody. The principle works for people that aren't Christians. They give away 10% of their stuff, right? Millionaires, billionaires, they give away 10%. They realize they get stuff back. Right? They don't understand the fact that it's a biblical principle, but they understand in the natural that it works. <laughs> and so I, I understood that it worked, and I understood that it was biblical because I saw it in the Bible, and I began to have conversations with people because I, I was just ignorant to the whole, you know, the whole Christian world. I was, you all know I wasn't raised in church. I, I didn't have any of that upbringing. And so you know, just like I, I thought everybody believed in miracles, I just thought everybody just believed everything in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought, well, it's in the Bible, we just believe it, right? And then I found out that there's a lot of different schools of thought out there, and, and I've learned quite a few of them, but there's still a whole bunch that I don't know about. And, um, and there's some I probably don't want to know about. <laughs> but I, I find it interesting to hear people's perspective, whether or not we agree or not. I like to hear people's perspective and their take on it. How'd you get there? Where'd you get this from? You know, I like, I'm, I'm interested in that. I don't shut people down when I, I've, just because we disagree or I may even feel like it's wrong. Um, I just like to know how did, you, how did you come to this conclusion because there's always a reason why somebody comes to the conclusion and there's always a reason why somebody can, comes to a conclusion about, about giving. About giving. And so I found a lot of people that don't give. Uh, there's a couple reasons. It's because they've been hurt, right? Somebody did something they, they weren't supposed to with the money. <laughs> some kind of embezzlement or something like that, right, that happened within the church. Um, or they say, I can't afford to give. Two stories you'll always hear from, from tithers and, and ones that don't. They say, I can't afford to give, and tithers will say, I can't afford not to. <laughs> because you don't budget tithing. <laughs> you just do it, right? That's just, that's just my take. You don't, you don't budget, I don't budget it in. Because I just budget it without it. Because it's gone, right? I just, because of my provider. So I've had conversations with people and they begin to unpack with me the fact that the tithing is part of the law. I said, well, it's part of the law. We're not under the law anymore. I said, okay. You know, like, I, like at that time, years ago, when we first started the church, there was somebody that, that was close to me that they didn't, they didn't believe in tithing. And that's why, that was the reason. But then I began to, I began to show as I built a relationship with this person, I began to understand why they, they pointed to the law and said it's part of the law because they'd been hurt by a pastor that, start, that manipulated them and said, if you don't tithe, this will, bad things will happen to you. If you don't tithe, bad things won't happen to you, but you rob yourself <laughs> of the things that, you know what, and we'll get into some other stuff later. But it, it's so, it's just... You know, bad teaching by good people. 
because they learned that from somebody else. And so when I began to look at it, I said, oh, you know what? Tithing's not, it wasn't brought about in the law. It was actually brought about before the law. Let me show you. Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20 shows that tithe comes before the law. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, who was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him, talking about, yeah, talking about Abram. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abram, gave a tithe of all of his spoils. He gave a tithe to, we won't talk about the, the fact that Melchizedek, king of Salem, doesn't have any, like, there's no, nobody before him, nobody after him. He didn't have any genealogy, no family line. They talk about him in Hebrews, right, being a representation of who Jesus is. And some believe that he could have been Jesus in the, in the Old Testament. So the tithe comes about before the law takes place. And so then it's actually approved through... I like to say that it was brought about before the law, it was justified by the law, and then it was ratified by Jesus, and then it was taken to a whole nother level through the apostles. <laughs> Some people think 10% is a lot. Wait till we see what the apostles did. So, <laughs> Levit I'm just going to give you some scriptures. I'm not going to read through all these because if I do, I'm not, I'm not going to have time to get through this, and I really want to, to get to some of these other things that I have down at the... Um, down further in my notes. And so Leviticus chapter 27, 30 through 34 shows that the tithe was approved through the Levitical law, right? Okay, we're not under the law anymore. I'll, I will not argue that with you, but I will tell you that the law has now become written in our hearts. It's not the ones that man made up, but now I'm in my new nature. I should inherently know what to do. It means that I'll, I'll obey these 600 and some odd laws, but in my heart, I know I'm set free to live within the perfect law of liberty. Free to do what? Free to operate within the confines of love. What's, what's love set? What, what's love require of me in this situation? It's the question you've heard me asking recently. So we're not under the law anymore. I agree with you. But then <laughs> the Tithe actually gets endorsed or ratified by Jesus. Here it is in Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Luke 11, verse 42 says, This is Jesus. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are care careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. Some people like to stop there. There's more. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. See, what he was getting on the Pharisees about is that they actually valued the tithe above people. We don't ever value any of the principles of the kingdom above people because the principles are made to serve people. They're not, they're not made to be more important than people. And so they had made a mistake in, in the religious mindset that was developed over hundreds of years. And, they be, and, then, and this didn't just happen overnight. They didn't just wake up and say, let's do this. But the religious spirit had got in and it, 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 it used a good, fruitful principle that came from God and they actually twisted it and, they, and it caused people to begin to value something over someone. 
And so that's where they went wrong. But Jesus tells them, yeah, you should tithe. But don't value these things above the people. So we see Jesus ratify it, but then we see the apostles that actually take giving to a whole nother level. This is what I love. See, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells the, the disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says that when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power, right? When the Holy Spirit comes, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power and you shall be my, you shall be my witnesses to, to the world, to the nations. You're going to preach the gospel. Basically, you're going to go everywhere sharing the things that I have done. You witnessed it. So you're going to witness to them what you have seen. Because they said themselves in the book of Acts, we can only tell you what we have seen and heard. Because you know they didn't have, any, they didn't have the Bible to look into. They didn't have the New Testament. And so they said we can only do the things that we have. We can only tell you the things or do the things that we have seen and heard. And so then in Acts chapter 2, the apostles actually, we see them get, we see them after they hang out in the upper room, 120 of them get slammed by the Holy Spirit it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's a pretty big moment for us, right? All of the church for all of eternity, right? It's a, it's a really big deal because the Holy Spirit comes. The promise of the Spirit comes in a way that Jesus said the Holy Spirit come, and it's actually better for the Holy Spirit to come. Why? Because then everybody could be one with Him that would believe on Him. And that was the plan all along. He wanted to get his kids back, yes, but he wanted to get us out of the nature that we were never created to walk in and born again into a new nature. And so the disciples, they experience this being born again or baptized into the Holy Spirit, and they actually get solidified within them a new nature. And what's the first thing we see them to begin to do? They give themselves, Right? They give themselves for the one that we've realized he's the only one worth giving ourselves for. They give all of their lives, every single bit of it. And <laughs> you'll be able to tell, <laughs> you know, what we, I, always, I talk about that there's a measuring stick um, in, in our Christian lives. And, and not to be introspective or not to be critical of ourselves, but I also should not be uh, unaware of whether or not I'm producing fruit in a particular area of my life or not. I need, to, I need to be aware. I need to celebrate my progress, and I also need to be aware of whether or not I am actually producing fruit. Or if I just have good language that sounds like I'm producing fruit and sounds like I know what I'm talking about, or actually, am I, am I really living this thing? Right? Am I really dead to myself? Am I really alive unto Christ? And so those are good. I think, I think those are good things to to know and I believe that there's a measuring stick of of when I've actually given my life to Jesus and I've been born again and I'm getting a revelation on my new nature I will inherently want to give because I have given myself and it will come out in my natural day-to-day -day life I'll give my time I'll give my stuff and I'll give my money I'm not telling you to give yourself broke and put yourself in a bad spot I'm just saying that I'll be obedient to the Lord when He says something. It won't be a problem for me. It won't be a wrestling match. Because <laughs> He's not going to coerce you into doing something. <laughs> because it's not supposed to have to be that way. 
It's supposed to be, right? And I know, like, he's had to coerce me to do things before. Just my arm, just, you know, it felt like it anyway. He wasn't. He was just, he was helping me understand, like, this is who you are. Look, let me show you who you are. It's not a forceful thing. It's not a manipulative thing. He wasn't, he wasn't making me do it. Even though we, we, love, we love our choices, right? We're like, I have the choice. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you can have choices. I just, I, I just give up my rights when I come into the kingdom. And I die to myself and I, I give myself to him. And, and, and the disciples are an example of that. You know, I didn't see anywhere in the book of Acts where they talked about the rights that they had. <laughs> or even the things that they felt like they should choose or not choose. We love, I mean, like, we're powerful people. You make powerful choices, but I didn't hear the disciples say that not one time. They were powerful people, and they lived out their powerful lives by laying them down and then saying, here's all of me. <laughs> it's just food for thought. And so in, in Acts chapter 4, verses 23, well, hold on. <laughs> let, yeah, let me, re, let me read through this. I think this will be... I think this is going to be good. Let me read through Acts chapter 4, verses 20. I'll start in verse 23. So the first thing they, they do is that they, they give themselves. And the, the first thing that Peter does is he stands up and he begins to describe the things that, you know, he's like, hey, they're not drunk like you suppose. They're just like whacked on the Holy Spirit and they're not <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, know, you know, this is a different kind of drunk. <laughs> We talked to people about that yesterday. We're like, you get, what's, you get inebriated on love. They come in the tent inebriated on something else, and then they get sober and begin to get messed up by love. <laughs> I'm like, this is way better. I'm like, it's way cheaper, too. <laughs> Didn't cost me anything. I just gave him back what he gave me. <laughs> and so Peter stands up and the first thing he does is he, he preaches something that's illegal, right? He begins to he begins to preach the the illegal gospel. You know why? Because he's willing to give his life right there. So then his money wasn't a problem. <laughs> and so he preaches the gospel and thousands of people get saved, right? And it's not you know they're they're not real happy about it, but this trend, this trend, actually continues. And when I teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I believe is is very significant and very important to every believer's life, it is not it is not essential. What we say is it's not essential to salvation. But I don't know why you wouldn't want it. And if somebody's told you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was just about you speaking in tongues and that was it, then they, 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 they shortchanged you. <laughs> Even though that's a real important part of it because in Jude 20 it says, I build myself up by praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping, myself, keeping me in the love of God. So it tells me that when I pray in the Spirit that it not only builds me up, but it looks like it keeps me rooted and grounded in love. Like, that's a pretty good deal. I like that. <laughs> I do it all the time. It's constant. It's, it's just, it just keeps on 
it just keeps on going, praying without ceasing. And so, but that's, but that's not all. I feel like an infomercial, but that's not all. Like, <laughs> there's way, way more. <laughs> so when I teach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't teach on the fact that it's tongues first. I teach on the fact that it's tongues last, even though that's significant and very important. I'm not negating that. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It happened to me sovereignly in a jail cell in 2007. It freaked me out. Like, I didn't know what was happening to me. I couldn't even, I didn't have, I didn't have language to tell you it was an encounter. I didn't have language to tell you it was God. I was just freaked out. That was about it. But it felt right. Right? And so it just went on from there. (laughs) But the disciples... The first thing that their life is, is marked by is the fact that they're radically generous. So I always tell people, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're getting baptized in love because the Spirit of God is God, which God, God is love. So I immediately ought to become more loving. If I can talk in tongues and I don't become more loving, I think I missed the whole thing. I might have a language, but I may not be really filled. <laughs> Just saying. Wait, it's just <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll I'll back off. I'll back off your feet. But it, it's just it, it's I I know what that's like. That's a, that's conv- I say that because it's convicted my heart before. Because I had a lot of spirituality and a lot of of, of form of of Christianity, and there was not a, a lot of love there. That happened for years. And then I began, the Holy Spirit, right before we planted Revive the World, I think it was the first time I taught on it this way, it was in 2013, and I felt like I, I was getting a revelation that the baptism of the Holy Spirit should actually make me more loving before it made me anything. Because I thought it was just about more power. And didn't know that love and power are supposed to be inseparable. That power should flow through love. And the disciples, actually, their life demonstrates that. And so that when they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, they become radically, they become radical lovers, radically generous with their lives, and everything else follows suit. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, this is, this is the book of John. Hold on. I thought this doesn't look familiar at all. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. <laughs> And being let go, that's, you know, Peter and John are let go from prison. Being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So just to catch you up real quick, this is after Peter and John had healed the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. He's laying there. You guys remember? Raise your hand if you remember. Like he's laying there and they tell him, you know, silver and gold, I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of now rise up and walk. Right? They knew what they had, and so they gave it to him. And this guy that's been crippled over 40 years gets healed. And they get thrown in jail for it. <laughs> and, they're, and, they, and then they get beaten for it, and they're real, real happy about it. <laughs> they get to suffer for the gospel. It actually should excite us. If I ever get counted worthy to suffer for the gospel, it will excite me. Any of the things that I would even consider suffering, I will never mention in front of the persecuted church. And being let go, they went their own way with their companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, 
You are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. And then they start to pray this this real significant prayer. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that with signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I like that prayer. I've prayed it a lot of times. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's good, right? Let me go a little further. So they're filled again. Shows us that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just a one-time thing, but it's a constant infilling. That's why I can say to you, just because I can speak in tongues doesn't mean I'm filled. You know how you'll know I'm filled? Love will be overflowing from me. Love will be overflowing from me. The sign that I am filled with the Spirit is not because I can speak in tongues or even do miracles or even prophesy. It's that I overflow with love and compassion. I'm just saying. All right. (laughs) just take a moment just let it sink in just breathe him in let him fill you all over again If I feel like I lack love, I just need Him. He is love. He is my love. He is my reward. He's all I need. (sighs) I just feel Him settle down in the room in a different way. You know, this isn't, this isn't even about being able to, to give my money to a ministry or a person or a stranger. This is about me learning that I'm one with him. And his ways are generous and, and always result in people knowing whether it's immediately or at some point, that they're loved by Him. And learning that money is a weapon in the hand of a believer is so vitally important to us. (laughs) That it's not about me just getting by, or it's not about me even building something that thrives that'll outlive me. That's good. 
But if the only thing we pass on to our kids is money, we will shortchange them. Best thing I can pass on to my kids is better beliefs. <laughs> that if I pass on good beliefs with money, then they'll do the right thing with it. And they'll learn the same things we're learning. Yeah, so let's just take a moment and just, yeah, Holy Spirit, yeah, fill us, would you? We want to overflow. <laughs> we want to overflow. Yeah, we want to we have better beliefs about the overflow, that we never have to leave it, that I don't have to wait to run dry to be refilled, that I can stay in the flow all the time of the river. <laughs> when I stay in what you're doing I stay in the river <laughs> yeah thank you I could just hear this uh, over and over again. It's not my, it's not your strength, it's mine. It's not your strength, it's mine. <laughs> it's not your strength, it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks for your strength. Ooh, thank you. Shoo. <laughs> yeah. Verse 32, Acts 4, Now the multitude of those who believed were, all, were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Now with great power the apostle gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands and houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. <laughs> I am not proposing communal living <laughs> or a compound with a big fence. <laughs> but I am pointing something out. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and another fresh infilling gave them boldness to preach the gospel that signs, wonders, and miracles were done through them, and that they were willing to give it all. <laughs> I mean, they took the revelation of the tithe that was brought about before the law, justified by it, ratified by Jesus, to a whole nother level. That's why some say, say, well, 
You say you don't want to be under law, but grace actually requires more of you. Because <laughs> the law just, the law required you to obey it, but grace actually says your whole life. Come on with it. <laughs> That's it. Jesus said, just, he said, follow me. He said, pick up your cross, follow me. Die to yourself, give it all, because that's where you'll truly begin to live. It doesn't make any sense to the human mind. We had this conversation with, it was one of the last people that, I, I actually, it was the last couple, um, or yeah, last two people that I got to minister to um, last night. It was a mother and a daughter, and the daughter was, did not believe any anything spiritual she didn't believe anything spiritual it wasn't not just jesus but no like no tarot cards witchcraft mystical stuff stone what she didn't believe anything <laughs> she didn't believe anything she didn't believe i'm sorry some of the stuff makes me laugh so <laughs> <laughs> she didn't believe in anything. She didn't believe in anything. And um, so it wasn't just Jesus, you know. And, and so then uh, when I began to tell her that she had shoulder pain and, and she had stress across the back, uh, back of her, right across her shoulders, she started to freak out, right? And so then she really freaked out. But in a good way, when Jesus healed her, uh, all of her pain left. And, you know, we just invite the spirit of peace to come, peace heal. And... Um, and never mentioned Jesus' name during that whole time. And he still healed them. You know, isn't that amazing? <laughs> we just remember that Jesus didn't use his own name either. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so she's like, this is crazy. Like, there's no way. What's going on? Did, you know, did you take my pain? How did my pain leave? All this. And, I, and her mom, who was very spiritual but had a lot of different beliefs mixed into one you know, pot, and um, she had a cross on, and uh, more of a Catholic cross that had Jesus still on it, and I pointed, and I said, that dude right there, <laughs> he's, he's the one that, he's the one that healed you, and she just couldn't, she, she's just like, there's like, no, like, her mind was just at war, and I said, I said, truth, truth hits you right here, in your spirit. We say heart, whatever. It hits you right here in the center of your being. You know, you know truth. I said, I have a, a friend. I have a really good friend that says that my heart, when my mind couldn't comprehend it, my heart was being tor pulled towards, I know I just butchered your quote, but uh, my heart is being pulled towards the goodness of God. And I, I let her know that this is, this is where it's, it's hitting you right here. And I said, it feels like truth, doesn't it? And she says, yeah, but up here. And I said, it can't be processed through up here. Up here doesn't run the show. If up here runs the show, I'll, be, I'll, I'll fail every time. I'll be messed up, indecisive, confused, just like don't know what to do. Like if this thing right here is running, if my mind is running the show, and if it, now if it's been transformed and operated out of the mind of Christ, that's one thing. But until that point, <laughs> if my mind is running the show, then I'm in trouble. And so she began to under, understand, understand that at some level, and we planted some, some really good seeds, right? <laughs> and so it's just it's the tr allowing the truth of the gospel to hit me right here. 
Because the whole gospel is about giving. It starts with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And the apostles take it to a level that show us that it's truth. <sighs> it's so good. Now let me, let, me get, let me get to the closing, right? I'm going to bring this around to, to, to actually what the principle, when I got the revelation about what it's really about, because if I just think it's about giving me giving 10% of my check, like which is actually a starting point, <clears throat> that's between you and Jesus, where you land at or how you grow in seasons of giving. And I know people who desire to be able to give, and I'm, I'm one of them. We desire to be able to give, you know, half of what, of what we make away or more than that. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to give more than half of what I make away. Just not at a point to where I can do that in my life, but we just, you just work that out with Jesus as your faith grows. Not like a goal you're setting to reach, you know, but like as you're, do it in proportion with your faith, right? Some people have $100 faith, some people have million dollar faith, somewhere in between. It just depends on where your faith's at. But the only, the only way I'm going to grow it is, is by taking a step of, of faith, by actually doing something. So the, the principle of tithing in my life or principle of, a, of tithing applied in my life taught me that I was created to be a giver and the truth of it transformed my mind so that I could actually walk in, in being generous in a lot more than money. Because it's so easy in the church to stop at, okay, I tithe because somebody told me to or somebody taught me to and that's the right thing to do and I just, that's it. But there's a, there's a lot more to it. But let me tell you a couple things first before I get to... I'm going to get to Luke 16 here in just a second. Luke 16, I'm going to start in verse 10. You can go ahead and put that up there if you'd like. I think it's in the New King James. But let me... I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures um, and tell you just real quick as far as principles of tithing. The whole tithe comes into the storehouse and the storehouse is where you get fed at. Your home church. It's where you get fed. And so the, I don't choose where the tithe goes. I don't, I don't make deals with him or whatever. I just bring it into the storehouse so that there is plenty in the storehouse. And the, anything over and above that that I want to give extra, we, we, call, we just give over and above. It's, it may be to missions. It may be to people. It may be to homeless. It may be to... Uh, you know, a food pantry, it may be a lot of different places, maybe to your neighbor, or maybe you putting it in a place of fund that's totally separate that you don't touch, and then you just wait for somebody to have a need and you give it to them. But that comes outside of the tithe. The tithe just comes into the place that you get fed. So Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your your vats will overflow with new wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that my vats will overflow with new wine that your barns will be filled so when I bring it into the storehouse right and I put it in its appropriate place then I get what's appropriate for me it's called overflow <laughs> it's, a, it's a great measuring tool you know there's a Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 12 which I won't read but some people use that and they say that there's a curse that comes upon people that actually don't give. You've heard that you've had that scripture taught before in Malachi chapter you know what I'm talking about? You're very familiar with it. So, 
Uh, I personally don't believe that we get cursed if we don't give because I'm in Christ and I don't know how I could, could be cursed. That's just my, I'm just, I'm not trying to be smart aleck. I'm just, I'm just being serious. Like, I don't understand how that takes place. But I do believe that when we don't tithe, we've robbed Jesus of his reward and in turn robbing nations because the church is actually created to disciple nations. Do you know that America funds 70% of the missions throughout the world? Because we've been made a, wealth, a wealthy nation for a reason. Not just for our own purpose. Let me say that one more time. So I believe that when we don't tithe, it actually robs Jesus. And there in turn robs nations because the church was created to disciple nations. Matthew 28, go therefore and disciple nations. So I, I, I'm essentially robbing by not giving. I don't believe that brings a curse. I just believe it brings conviction. <laughs> I'm glad there's three of us that are having fun. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. I'll leave that, but I just wanted you to know that like if I, my responsibility is to tell you the truth to my understanding of Revelation in the, in the Bible. You can totally disagree with me, but I've, stu I've stood this ground now for like a decade, right? And I'm only going to grow in this Revelation from here. That's because that's what the Spirit of God wants to do in each one of us. He wants us to grow in Revelation. And so I stand firm on that because the church is to be a storehouse. And that's why some people undervalue the church nowadays and say, oh, you don't need it. Oh, you can do what you want. Oh, you can be by yourself. Oh, I don't need relationship. I don't need community. Me and Jesus got my own thing going on. They've just been hurt by church. They're just disgruntled. They've been messed up, whatever. And, and a lot of them find out in bad situations. And they're, and they're like, wow, wish I had community. Wow, I had, wish I had people around me. Right? It's just that rebellious thing that sometimes doesn't completely die in people. Right? And so then we go after them in places like the Pride Festival and things like that. And say, look, guess what never changed? His mind about you. <laughs> I told somebody yesterday, I said, you, you know what? There's going to be an open invitation to a relationship with love for, the, for as long as you're around. It's an open invitation. He's got his arms wide open. It's just the way that he is. So Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 13 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true spiritual riches? This is the good part. <laughs> Let me Therefore, if you have not been faithful, an un unrighteous mammon is money. Unrighteous mammon is money, and there's also a spirit that is behind that. Right? That when greed takes over, and money and stuff becomes an idol to me, and I exalt it above Jesus, and it actually, when it, when it drives my decisions, it's become my Lord. <laughs> when it drives my decisions, I've, I've bowed down and worshipped it. There's a spirit that's attached to it that's trying to overtake every person in the world, 
right? So, <laughs> therefore, if anyone has not been faithful in unrighteous mammon and money, who, who will commit to your trust true riches or true spiritual riches? You know what true spiritual riches are? Souls, miracles, signs, wonders, revival, awakening. That's true spiritual riches. Those are the things that we actually want. You know, I heard Bill Johnson talk about it before, and they, he said, how in the world, you know, people want the shortcut always. Like, how do you get revival to break out here? How's revival been going so long? How are you doing this? How are you doing all that? And there's no shortcut to that because it's 25 or 30 years of creating culture. But when it happened, it came through the door of giving financially. That's the principle. It wasn't going after miracles alone. It wasn't trying to grow in the prophetic. He said it came through this door. It comes through the principle of the tithe. Because when he came there, they were in the red. I mentioned this last week. Bethel Church was in the red. That means they were in debt. You know what he did? He taught on, he taught on giving for four weeks. Because clearly people weren't giving. He said if you can't get with it, it's like the cat that you're petting the wrong way. If they don't like it, it'll turn around. <laughs> So he began to, and the revelation was released. And when they got the revelation, they began to grow in these other things. And he'll tell you to this day, that's exactly what happens. So they were able, because they were trusted with unrighteous men, and they were able to have true spiritual riches. Verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give to you what is your own? I always talk about that as, you know, you find out when you're renting something, whether or not you're ready to own something. Because you're taking care of something that's somebody else's, right? Kind of tells you whether you're prepared to own a house, own a car, whatever. Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, else he will be loyal, or he will hold to the one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. Right? I'm only going to serve one of them. I'll either serve God, cling to him, and worship him, or I'll serve money cling to it and worship it let me be real clear god doesn't mind you having stuff he minds stuff having us doesn't mind you being wealthy he just wants you to know who you are and that you're created to be generous see <clears throat> the spirit of mammon greed is where idolatry worship money stuff comes from but I wanted to get to this. And poverty or fear of lack uh, is where no amount of, of money or stuff will ever satisfy it. And that's the reason that some people are afraid to give. They're afraid to give because of the fear of lack. And say, I don't have enough. I won't have enough. I had one of my friends, Jonathan Overmeyer, he taught tithing one time. He gave a 90-day challenge. He said, because <laughs> this guy got a job when he got saved so that he could tithe. That's why he wanted a job. Now he runs Golden Press Studio. He's an entrepreneur, and, and you know, like he's thriving. And he'll tell you, it's because this is where I started. And he issued a 90-day challenge. He says, if you try God for 90 days and tithe and you, and you don't get blessed, I'll give you your money back. <laughs> I don't think he checked with his wife before he said that, but nobody came. Nobody counted. Were you guys there when he issued that challenge? <laughs> I know somebody started tithing. I'm not promising you this, but I know somebody that was scared to tithe. They were tithing like 5%. They were giving something, but they were just scared to, to tithe 10% because they had a boatload of school debt. They had like fifty dollars or $60,000 in school debt. 
and uh, the Abbots, and um, they started tithing, and within weeks, the school called them and wrote off all their debt. It was like 50-some thousand dollars. I'm like, boy, glad you started tithing, aren't you? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so poverty, poverty thinking comes from, it comes from orphan mentality. And what it says to me is that I must take care of myself because nobody else will. Because maybe it's happened before. But poverty thinking, no amount of money will ever satisfy. You just accumulate more stuff and, and put more stuff away. Like it's, not gonna, like it's not going to change the way you think. Money, getting money won't change the way you think. But I'll tell you that this kind does not come out by prayer and fasting. That the only way that the mentality is broken is actually by, by giving. You can fast and pray 40 days, 90 days, do as long as you want till you pass out, shrivel up, dehydrate, and can't move. I'll tell you that it will not change. It, it will not change that fear. That fear is only broken by actually the action of giving. <laughs> it's beautiful when it happens. And I'll tell you that, so this is the principle... I'll close with this. This is the principle that Lindsay and I have applied since before we were married. Like, when we were engaged, we had a joint bank account. Like, we've, like we look at it now. You know, she is back there, isn't she? So, <laughs> she, she, like, years and years later, she's like, I cannot believe I was crazy to have a joint account with you. <laughs> I mean, like, a lot of money was like 800 bucks, though, to us. You know, it was like, I got a lot of money. <laughs> it felt like a lot. Maybe that's still a lot of money to you, but, I mean, that was all the money we had. <laughs> Every bit of it. <laughs> no, I'm like, yes. <laughs> Almost 2,000. <laughs> it was a big deal for me. <laughs> you know, it just, you know, it's just crazy. I started tithing. My, my credit miraculously, actually, I had destroyed my credit. My credit miraculously ended up being 600 and something. And now it's way north of that. Like my credit recovered miraculously even. I'm sure I'm giving. It's crazy, right? So from that point forward, I, I had an orphan mentality for a long time in the area of giving. It was, the, it was probably the biggest thing that I faced. It was because, and you know why we face that? It's because we think the Father's not a provider. We don't see Him as that yet. Like we don't have that revelation yet. And so every time that we would get afraid about finances or not being able to pay a bill, what we do is we look for a place to give. Because <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, Right? You're like, okay, I feel fear. I'm going to give. I actually learned that from, from Bill Johnson. He said every time it looked like they weren't going to make payroll, what he would do is he said, hey, you know, write this person a check. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Feels like God. Let's do it. And we started doing it, and, it, and it's, it's brought freedom. Because at the end of the day, this is about true spiritual riches and you and I actually walking out our new nature. Because no, God doesn't, he doesn't need your, he doesn't need your money. He needs you and I to know who we are. He needs us to know who we are. He needs us to know who we are. So that we can show the world who he is. 
And we can do things that will represent him in a way that show the world that he's actually generous and he's not angry. It's the inheritance. <laughs> it's the inheritance that we have received through Jesus because we are co-heirs with him. Just a quick, quick testimony is that we've watched, some of you have, have started doing this and, and been doing it for, for some years, um, but we will practice giving servers money you know, out at restaurants. You know servers make $2.13 an hour. I don't care what restaurant they work at. I don't care how fancy that restaurant is. They make $2.13 an hour. That's all they make in the state of Indiana. I don't know about across the nation, but I know that's true in the state of Indiana. I know it's true most places. So, you know, when you're working at, at somewhere like Applebee's, $100 tip's a, a big deal, right? And so I remember us, we came in there with like a party of eight, and, and we, uh, we were actually at Chili's, which Applebee's Chili's, about the same thing to me. And it's just like the, you know, kind of sit down fast food. And um, so we, we give our server, we're like, hey, you know, we pray about like this, hey, what should we give her? And, and so we, we fill it out, and, and Lindsay walks back to the bathroom. I think it was her. She walked back to the bathroom, and the server was looking at it and heave-crying over the register because of, of generosity. And we get to tell her, it's the goodness of God. God loves you. He's generous. He'd give you a whole lot more than this. Like, this is just a small token of his love. <laughs> I remember seeing, you guys have heard me tell this story before, I remember seeing a young lady, Donnie, and I were at the mall, and her spine straightened. You guys remember this story? Her spine straightened in the store. One of the craziest miracles I've ever seen outside the four walls of the building, and those particular people were in need for money. They needed money. Yes, she needed a miracle, but they also did not have a place to live, all right? So the miracle in her back helped her body, but it did not help her living situation. And we started to give them money, right? Cash. Just happened to have cash on me. I barely carry it anymore, and when I do, I end up giving it away. <laughs> and so we gave them money, and they said this to us. I quote, now we know you're real Christians, I'm like, the miracle didn't do it? <laughs> nope. Generosity did it. And so, what I usually do in, in these situations, I teach on tithing about, I teach on once, about once a year. That's it. I teach on tithing once a year. And this is, um, this feels like Jesus, so I'm going to do it. Some of you, this may not apply to. So, I'm going to pray in a second, and, and you're going to have an opportunity, if this applies to you, to ask the Holy Spirit what you're supposed to do, because follow His lead. But we usually take up a repentance offering for, for those, for folks that haven't been tithing. And this is what I'll, I'll do so that you know I don't want your money. 
is that you mark it, whether it's on the Revive the World website, when the message box, whether it's on an envelope and you just say repentance on it, is that we will take every penny of it and give it to somebody who needs it. We'll give it away. I'll tell you where. I'll t- I, won't, I may not tell you who, but I'll make sure that you know where. This is for you. It's not for us. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's for you, not for us. I was trying, already thinking about something else when I said that. <laughs> this, is, this is not because we want to get money from you. I want to make that real, real clear to you. I'll never do that to you. We'll never do that to you. It's not our goal. Most of you in this room that I know are already generous. Most of you in this room I already know have given your lives. Like I've watched you love people. I know how generous you are. This principle right here will take you to another level in spiritual riches. It'll change your life. Change your life because it'll change your heart. It'll set you free from fear. It'll set you free from everything you were never supposed to be. It will. It's way deeper than money. I'm sorry if somebody taught you it was just about money. It's not. <laughs> but remember this, that money is a weapon in your hand. And every time you send a dollar out, it's like sending a soldier out. <laughs> every time you sow into a Pakistan trip, you sow into somebody, into the, into the persecuted church. You sow into somebody who is... You know what I do is what I, I pray before I get on planes. David Wagner taught me this. I pray before I take trips and say, hey, what's on the other side of my obedience, Jesus? Like, what's on the other side of me continuing to go? I don't want to just spend time somewhere because it looks good or even because things are happening. I want to spend time there because I know you want me there. And I heard him say to me, he said, if you'll go, he said, generational lines will be changed. Every time you send a dollar to one of those things, like that, anybody, whether I'm going or somebody else is going, that's what you're sowing into. Generations are being changed. So remember that your money's making a difference, but also know that it's about way, way more than that. It's about souls, because at the end of the day, you know where no one won't come with me? Any of my stuff. (laughs) None of my money will go with me. And I won't even think about it twice when I stand in front of Jesus and he welcomes me. (laughs) I've been waiting for you, son. Come on home. (laughs) So, Father, we thank you right now. We thank you right now for the revelation of radical generosity. We thank you for the revelation of our new nature. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you help us today become a little bit more like you by transforming our minds with the truth of this principle? Would you show us how important it is for the kingdom? Would you show us how important it is for our family, for our family line, for our city, for our nation, and for the nations of the world? And for every person that is still dealing with that poverty mentality, that orphan mindset, that many of us in the Zoom are familiar with. I pray that you'd show us places to give. I pray that you'd help us to apply this principle so that it destroys fear and transforms our mind with truth. That you're more than enough. That you'll never withhold anything good from us. 
that you have way more for us than we could ever use in a lifetime. That if you gave us Jesus, why wouldn't you give us anything else? (laughs) And so I thank you, Father, for a family of radically generous people so, so we can ultimately show the world that you are good, that you are generous, that you are kind, that you love them through practical principles like giving. Help us to get it, the power of it. Help us to walk in it. Help us to teach our kids what it means to do it, why they do it. Help us to leave an inheritance of what it looks like to be generous. as we do, I thank you for true spiritual riches. I thank you for the spiritual riches from yesterday. (laughs) Stuff giving opens the door to, but it can't buy. We want more of that. We want real revival in each one of our hearts if it's not there already. If it's there already, we want it to grow into full-blown bonfire that will consume every person that we get near. And we want, we want an awakening in our city. We want an awakening in our nation. Help us to get it. We want the spiritual riches of a nation that longs for you, that loves you, that looks to you, that bows before you and celebrates you and sees you as you really are. So we thank you for every ministry, every church that is getting this revelation, that's practicing this, and that's sowing into true spiritual riches throughout the world. So thank you for inviting us into this modeling what it is for us, showing us an example, Jesus, of what it is to be generous. Not just with stuff, but with our lives. So everybody that needs to, just right now, you know what, we just give you this little life that you've given us. I know it can make an impact just one life we want you to have it whether we need to put something in the offering today or not we want ourselves we want to put us we want to put ourselves in the offering (laughs) get right in (laughs) there's plenty of room Take this one life as your offering for all time. Here you go, Jesus. Thanks for modeling it. Thanks for giving us life so we can give it back. Thanks for showing us that you're everything that we need. Thanks for helping us walk this out and trust you. Trust you more and more and see you as the provider that you really are.
Yeah, thanks for helping us to see you as the provider that you really are. Regardless of examples that were set to us, lies that we've believed, we thank you for showing us who you really are as provider. And that we would no longer equate some of these scriptures like you shall supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus just to stuff because you supply so much more. (laughs) So we thank you for the more. In Jesus' name. Prayer team, get you guys to come up. God wants to provide some healing for you if you need it. You heard some healing testimonies already today. You need encouragement. You need peace. You need somebody to partner with you in prayer. We want you to come forward and and get prayer from our amazing prayer servants. If you need to hang out for a minute and just be with Jesus... By all means, you can do that. Thanks for hanging out today. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. I bless you guys. Bless what God's doing in your life. Thank you, Jesus, for the more, 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 more. Yeah, God. You guys can go ahead and come forward for prayer if you need it. We love you guys. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.